Guys, you know we have some great sponsors on our show that have all sorts of great deals that we want you to take advantage of. But if you're driving or cooking or changing a diaper, it's hard to write down all the information and you wish you could have remembered the code. That's right. But we got your backs. Go to whatfreshhellpodcast.com and click on promo codes right at the top and you'll see a list of all our sponsors and all the special deals they offer to our listeners. Plus, whenever you visit our sponsors, you let them know you're listening, which is great for the show. So thanks. Oh, my baby slept through the night at six weeks. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. These toys are not going to mess up themselves. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I will never, ever do this again. This is horrible. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Does not compute. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking about toddlers, the great equalizer. They are. They are. Are they not? (laughs) My babies, let me think about this. My first newborn was like a nightmare newborn. So I was already brought pretty low. But you may have been, you're one of those like, oh, my baby slept through the night at six weeks. So was it toddlerhood that brought you low? Toddlerhood. So I have, my kids are all 18 months apart. So I had at one point like a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I recently was in Los Angeles where I raised those children and I drove by the house like thinking like, oh, warm memories of my old house. And I drove up and we lived in this tiny house. It was 900 square feet, five of us. And then at some point my sister was staying with us in this like little back house garage apartment. And so there were six of us. And I went back to be like, oh, the memories. And I literally pulled up and I had like I was shaking I had like total stress overwhelming memories like there was so little joy in it like I was surprised by my reaction like looking in that little living room window like this front room that was the only like really functional room in the house and I was just like no don't make me it was like visiting Shawshank I'm picturing it like this like little house in the woods, like Hansel and Gretel's like witch cottage, like, like that just where terrible things happen. It was like that, but in the middle of downtown L.A. And like so there were also like a million screaming teenagers because we lived across from a high school and like and people like doing drug deals in the alley. It was horrible, horrible. Like, I cannot believe how stressed I was looking at this house. Right. Like that was me. And so for a lot of us, if you're like Amy and I, you are on the very far side of this experience. My youngest is now seven. So let's say, well, I guess I'm three years out because I count from three to four still as a toddler. Sure. And so we're going to be reminiscing for those of us who have survived these days. And we're going to be advising for those of you going into these days. You know, I like to use, we have a guest today. Clint Edwards is the author of the new book, Silence is a Scary Sound and Other Stories on Living Through the Terrible Twos and Threes. So he's sort of a an expert in this area of life. And he says that the toddlerhood ends when your kids are old enough to get up in the morning and like get their iPad going or put the TV on by themselves without waking you. He marks that as the end of toddlerhood. So I am well on the other side of this. I have 12, 15 and 17 year olds. Yesterday, I was at the airport with them and I was in Orlando, the Orlando airport, which if you want to do an anthropological study of toddlers, I mean, may I recommend the Orlando airport? Yeah. Or if you're trying to convince, you know, your high schoolers to never reproduce, this would be a good place to visit. 
It was a crowded <laughs> Orlando airport. But the first thing I see when I walk in, you know, we have our bags and our bags. Everyone's like over sugared and wearing mouse ears and like their eyes are rolled back in their heads. Right, right, right. And I'm in the checking in for departure. This is people leaving Orlando. Yeah, these are the sad people. Right. They are like the leavings of their former selves standing in line to check bags. Oh. But this kid, the first thing I see when I walk in was this kid, definitely a toddler, in that toddler range, and he was going like, ah, I could hear him first, just that, ah, like kind of whining, carrying on, like, God, this kid has like stamina, like, what is he so upset about? And I don't really care, but you kind of eventually are like, what's going on? You look over, this kid, he fully had his hands in his pockets and was like looking around the airport sort of idly, just sort of <laughs> marking time by going like, ah. and I just, I remembered that toddlers like they can stick to a bit like a Catskills comedian. You know what I mean? Like he was committed. Yeah. I am unhappy about something. I don't remember what it is anymore. In fact, I'm fine now. But I'm still acting out. Right. But I'm going to do this like fire engine thing for another five, ten minutes. Easy. I got all day. I got all day. And you said something. And Clint talks about this in the book about there's a certain joyless determination. Like there's a scene where his kid is stuffing toilet paper down the toilet and flushing it and like pushing it down with like a broom handle. And he walks in and he makes eye contact with her and she just looks up like not afraid of him. And there's like no joy in her face. She's just with grim determination. Like she's going to do this thing. Yeah. And you had a quote a long time ago that I think about all the time. In fact, my husband and I said it to each other like two days ago. It's kind of become a go-to quote for us. Like <laughs> your kid, like pulling stuff out of the toy bin and just being like, these toys are not going to mess up themselves. Right. This bookshelf is not going to dump itself out. I got to get to work. Right. These books are not going to spread yes. themselves over the playroom without my help. Yes. And I don't want to do it, but it's my job. Right. There's no want to reason, not the need. I'm just going to have to do this. I always imagine these like two year olds doing that, like as having hard hats and the metal lunchbox and like punching their card in like in the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Like, well, another day dumping out the toys. I was recently with my two-year-old nephew, and the other thing I remember about toddlerhood and I carry with me is this idea of, like, that's my inner voice all the time. Like, I miss the days when people annoy you and you just could fall to the floor and just have a huge tantrum and beat your hands and fists and scream at the top of your lungs. Like, now when that happens to you, you have to be like, oh, thanks for that advice. That's so interesting. And then you're just feeling that on the inside. Mm -hmm. And my toddler nephew at some point when I was with him was just sitting in a chair and screaming at the top of his lungs, want more cheese? <laughs> and I was like, me too, buddy. Like, I wish <laughs> I could just sit in the middle of a restaurant and scream, want more cheese at the top of my lungs. And people would like drop everything they were doing to ensure that I had some cheese. Because he's going to commit. He's certain about one thing. He's able to really just like leave all else out. He's not multitasking. He wants more cheese. What a life to just be able to just scream to get your needs met and then like laugh your head off at like Harry the bunny and then just scream uncontrollably when you don't get your way. Like I want to go back to that age. I feel like my inner self is a toddler still. What I want to say about toddlers, having also done my over the holiday break sort of toddler encounter, watching my toddler relatives in action. It's like dolphin encounter, but a really horrible version of it. It's toddler encounter. Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> it was toddler encountering. And you do, you know, experience it differently when you're outside it, right? Like the crying kid is not your problem. So you can just kind of watch it more impassively. Yeah. Another thing that toddlers do is this toddler had French toast, but I forget if it was too much syrup or not enough syrup. And really, it could have been either, right? It could have been both. Too much and not enough. Thanks, mom. It's a toddler. This toddler was able to do, it reminded me of like an operatic singer, like warming up her voice and just sort of trying the different registers. This toddler was sort of musing, like, how upset am I about this? Like, he was doing that and sort of like trying different different levels of how upset am I going to be? I have all day. I have so much available to me. I have nothing to do. And these people. Nothing. I have so much energy to commit to this. Yeah, they respond to my every need. Right. And let's just see how this goes. I'll try a couple different things. (laughs) No matter what happens, like even if I get less or more syrup, I'll just keep trying this voice. Yeah. When my daughter was, it was a couple years ago, she was definitely out of toddlerhood, but I came upon her and she was like, I don't remember what she was doing, but she was making this sound. And I said, honey, what are you doing? And she looked at me just dead in the face and she went, oh, I'm making an annoying sound with my voice. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that is exactly what you are doing. (laughs) She wasn't pleased or displeased. She was just, that's what she was doing. And I think a lot of the toddler in her monologue is like, I'm making an annoying sound with my voice. This will pass some time. Can I read you a listener email that came in that I think is, it's for both of us, but I think you might have even more than me to say about this. Please do. This is an email from Leah. She says, even though my daughter is relatively tall and skinny, my just turned two-year-old is the epitome of Margaret's short, fat dictator. Margaret, you used to have a blog called Short Fat Dictator. (laughs) Yes, that was the nickname that my dad gave my sister when she was a toddler. She was the short, fat dictator. That's who we're talking about today. Okay, so this little girl is apparently, she's not a benevolent overlord, Leah says. She barks orders and commands at us all day long. She even bosses around my mother, who is basically the boss of the world. Uh, Whenever she wants something, she will repeat the demand, getting progressively louder and louder until that demand is met. So far, I'm like, right, toddler. Mm -hmm. Your question is. Sounds right. This child cannot simply request a yogurt. She must command it. (laughs) Plus, her whims change so frequently that by the time you get her the yogurt, she's moved on to wanting a banana. I think some of this assertiveness is just baked in the cake. But how do I teach effective communication and patience to someone who has not yet mastered the art of the potty? I mean, wait, I didn't know we were supposed to solve this. I'm not prepared. I got nothing. I'm I'm making no promises. I used to ask my mom. My mom had three kids each 12 months apart. So she had literally three toddlers. That's how it rolls at your house, huh? Like lots of babies close together. Yeah, it's a thing we do because we start late. So we got to (laughs) hurry. And... I would constantly ask her questions like, so mom, how did you deal with it? You know, when one kid was biting the other's face and the baby was crying and she's like, she would always say, I have no idea. I've blocked out that entire period of my life. Yeah. I don't think about it. It's like it happened to someone else. Yep. It's like the way that like people come home from war and never discuss it again. That's how my mom was (laughs) with having had three closely spaced toddlers. She was just like, don't ask me about it. I don't want to think about it. And I don't know anything because I've locked it out. And let me just say hashtag respect. There's something about when it's your kid that it's more agitating, right? Like I can watch the toddler with the French toast syrup issue and be sort of bemused by it, right? Whereas the parent at whom it's directed... 
feels that agitation. Like, how can you not? It's your DNA, I guess, yelling at you. But it's different when you're outside it. You can see it as like, that's what toddlers do. Like, that's how they are. And can you teach it out of them? Can you make a toddler less demanding and whiny and cranky? I think you can, like, you know, slowly put some parameters on the edges of it. But, you know, you can't make it not happen. That's how they are. What do you think? Well... What I think is that the ultimate toddler rule, which my brother taught me early, which is not unique to him, is you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? Like, you don't Mm. actually try to have a reasonable conversation with them. You don't actually try to make what they're fussing about fixed. You know, you don't actually serve yogurt and then cheese and then pizza and then put them in the bath. And you don't actually give in to their demands because their demands are nonsense. And so if we're going to talk about actual, you know, rules, I would just say, don't negotiate. Like it's cheese. And if they throw the cheese, dinner is over and they go somewhere else. Like it's just you blank face when they punch you in the face everything shuts down and you put them down and there's no more playing and fun like you just kind of are the mom machine who's like hey we're having a good time this is fun and then when the behavior is out of bounds the mom machine shuts down and nothing else fun happens like that's how i actually tried to interact with my toddlers and take them out of places where they are making it worse for everyone. Right. This kid in the airport yesterday. Not possible on an airplane. Yeah. But yeah, if your toddler is screaming in Target over a toy, you leave your stuff and you walk out of Target. Like you start to teach them a very fundamental lesson that bad behavior shuts down the fun machine. I was on a city bus with my two little ones once and, and my two-year-old was just, I don't know what he was so upset about, right? But he had ramped up. It was a screaming. And I said, if you don't stop screaming, we are getting off this bus. And he was like, okay, like come at me and kept screaming. And now I've said that in front of other people on the bus. So we got off at the next stop. And then I had to walk home like 25 blocks with a screaming toddler. So I think the problem doesn't always work. It certainly doesn't work to shut them down. I was nice to the people on the bus. Well, but this is what stinks about it. But it is like a good thing to remember. I was just with my grown nephews who are 25 and 23, let's say something around those ages. Sorry, guys. And they were talking to their mom. So like one's in graduate school, the other one has a job. Like they're way out of this phase. And they were talking in still like hushed tones about the time that their mom put them out of the car and made them walk home. So they weren't toddlers, but they were literally like we were so young, we weren't sure the direction home. But she said to them, like, if you don't stop fighting, I'm putting you out of the car. And she pulled the car over and she wasn't far from home. And she obviously was like keeping an eye on them. But they were like, OMG, mom just put us out of the car and made us walk home. And they had to find their way home. And I think that's how you deal with toddlers. That's how I miscalculated because this kid was like, I'm either going to ride on my mother's lap on the bus or ride in the stroller while she pushes me home in the freezing rain. It wasn't really that different for him. Yeah, that's probably (laughs) true. But I bet, I mean, I think if you continue in that lane, it makes an impression overall, which is like, yeah, I can push my mom only so far before all the fun shuts down. And I don't like that feeling. I think that's a good place to start. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Clint Edwards, the author of the new book, Silence is a Scary Sound. I've mentioned on the show a couple of times that my mom was a family therapist. And that was a good thing for me for a lot of reasons, really. But chief among them may have been that I grew up knowing 
that professional help when you're struggling is totally reasonable. It can be a really good idea. And now, thanks to BetterHelp, it's available to anyone, no matter where you live. More than 3,000 licensed BetterHelp therapists are available nationwide by text, chat, phone, and video on your desktop or on the BetterHelp app. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in issues like stress, anxiety, depression, relationships, family conflicts, LGBTQ needs, grief, self-esteem, and more. Fill out a questionnaire and you can help BetterHelp assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor you love. And if you don't match with a particular counselor, it's really easy to get a new one. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com forward slash fresh and use the code fresh to get 10% off your first month. Plus, financial aid is available for those who qualify. That's betterhelp.com slash fresh and use the code fresh for 10% off your first month of BetterHelp counseling. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have Bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> and there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently so it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy and I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for <laughs> okay. you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing. So today our guest is Clint Edwards. He is the author of the hilarious book, Silence is a Scary Sound and Other Stories on Living Through the Terrible Twos and Threes. He's a staff writer for Scary Mommy. He's a parenting contributor to the New York Times and the Washington Post. And he also manages the very popular No Idea What I'm Doing, a daddy blog. Welcome, Clint. Hi, Clint. Hey, thanks for having me. You have three kids. Tell us how old they are. Well, let me think about that. <laughs> tough question. We start early with the really tough questions. <laughs> yeah, this is, am I at the doctor? Next, we're going to do what are their names? We're really into tough questions. Social security numbers and full names. Social security. What's their birth dates? That's what they do to me at the doctor all the time. And then I just stand there. You freeze. You panic. <laughs> Deer in the headlights. Yes, I have three kids. I have my oldest is Tristan and he is 12. And then I have a daughter, Nora, who is 10. And then I have a five-year-old year old little caboose named Aspen, who if she were our first, she'd have been our last. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Oh, yeah. I actually, my first one was the toughest. And I always think like, I don't know what I was thinking doing this two more times. <laughs> I just feel like it was a bait and switch of some kind. Like yeah. we're going to give this kid blast. And we were done. Like we were signed off. I was ready to retire the jersey. And then we decided to have one more I mean, I love her, and she's given me a lot to write about. So it's not all terrible. You're saying the twos and threes aren't all terrible. No, I mean, they're not terrible. They're just, just like chaos, and you don't understand what is going on, and then suddenly they'll just melt your heart. Yeah. 
I don't know how they do it. It's this complete magic trick. I do know how they do it. It's a biological imperative, my favorite topic. They make them cute so that you don't kick them out of the nest. (laughs) Well, that's exactly it, because there's a lot of times I just want to let the kid, when she was little, little, for part of this book, you know, twos and threes, I wanted to just let her live in the backyard with a water dish. Yeah, that's frowned on. I mean, we're parenting experts, Clint, we can tell you. Yeah, well, in America, it's frowned on, you know. That's right. In Finland or whatever, they just leave them outside all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And it works out. There's always that blog that's like, you know how we do it in Denmark. (laughs) Right, Denmark, whatever. We leave them in the barn. And you're like, huh, okay, I kind of want to move to Denmark. Clint, who does she look like? Does Aspen look like you or your spouse? I don't know. I mean... Because <laughs> that's another thing that tugs at you. Like, oh, it's a little mini me. I think all three of the kids, I'm hoping, I'm optimistic that they take after my wife because she's really pretty and I'm just this kind of like comic relief in the family. <laughs> but I think she looks more like my wife, but she definitely has some of my facial features. And she's really tall for her age, which is terrifying because you can't see me right now, but I'm not. Like, if I could live in a tree and make fudge, like, that would make sense. I'm not a very big man. You're a small fella. I'm a little guy, and my wife is also just slightly shorter than me. And our two oldest kids are the shortest in the class. Like, they're the kids that have to stand on a box at the Christmas program. And then this changeling came along, huh? So, but Aspen is somehow <laughs> like this giant baby. Well, and it's a problem because one of the few advantages one has over a toddler is size. (laughs) Like it's one of the only things going for you is that you're bigger than them. It's true. This is true. Not that that doesn't make them weigh any less when they go limp. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Suddenly it's like, what is the physics that like when a toddler goes limp like a WTO protester, suddenly they weigh six times more. It's the wet sand maneuver. Well, what is the, have you seen Ant-Man? Yes. Oh, okay, great. I have seen Ant-Man, and we had the wasp on the podcast, Evangeline Lilly. Oh! Oh, that's right, we did. That's right. This is brilliant. Okay, so this will work great. So, you know, Ant-Man, like, they get really small, but then they can still punch with the physics of, like, their full body weight, even though they're, like, the size of an ant. Yes. That's a toddler. toddler. Right there. There you go. Like, they have the physics and the power to just knock you out. And they will. (laughs) I like when you talk in the rules section about, like, on the couch, one of the rules is like covering the important parts of your body. Like they're coming for you. Yep. You lose an advantage when you let them on the couch with you. You lose the spatial advantage of being higher than them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had a vasectomy, I'm sure it would have just happened naturally. <laughs> it would have been natural. Yeah, you could have probably skipped the copay on that one. Clint, can I ask you about something that I think you bring up something in the book and it's such a good point. The fresh hell that is having a toddler who's sick, but they haven't reached their second birthday yet. Can you talk about why that's so especially horrible? Well, because doctors won't do anything. (laughs) Like, it's terrible. Like, with our son, like, my wife was so worried that we were going to absentmindedly kill him, which is a valid fear when you have a new kid. Like, this is not unusual. I think a lot of people feel this way. But he just seemed to, like, go everywhere and come home with, like, a virus in his back pocket. And we would constantly take him to the doctor because she was worried that we were sick. And they would just kind of look at him and say, well, you know, if he was two, I would kind of open the heavens and give you all the medicine. But he's not two, so just get him to go to sleep, which is also impossible. 
And so it was nuts. And in the book, what happens in the book is I had this big argument because our son had this horrible virus and he was really, really sick. And we took, and she wanted to take him to the doctor. I'm like, we're not taking the doctor. Like, he's not going to do anything. Like, stop wasting all of our money. I mean, we were already paying off the birth, which was like a car loan. <laughs> and then... This kid. Yeah. And so we got in this big argument and I was going to pull the, like, I was still young in the marriage that like, when we went to the doctor, finally, I relented. Well, I didn't relent. She just got in the car and drove and I jumped in. And I told her like, you know, I was going to do the I told you so, you know, which is a really ill-advised. If you're a new parent, a new father on here, the I told you so. <laughs> one thing, one takeaway. Yeah. Listen to me. That's a great way to sleep on the couch. And while we're giving advice, I would say saying stop wasting all of our money to your wife. <laughs> When she's trying to take your kid to the doctor. Also, you know, we like to give advice on this podcast. I would say ill-advised. Ill-advised. Okay. All right, good. I'm going to put that in my next book. <laughs> yeah, take that one for free, guys. <laughs> so we go to the doctor and he finally says he's like two weeks or a month or something from his birthday. He says, you know, it's close enough. We'll give him something to help him not throw up. And my wife just was so relieved and I realized that this had nothing to do with medicine or money. It didn't make any, none of it was made any sense to me that she just wanted peace of mind. That was what she wanted. And I have never questioned taking our kids to the doctor's. Head. She wanted what we all want when we're parents of toddlers, the illusion of control. <laughs> We want that too, but even antibiotics, by the way, are mostly an illusion of control. Like most things can't be, you know, viruses can't be solved with antibiotics, but we still want them because it gives us something to do. And Clint, you and I are both survivors of nursemaid's elbow. Can you talk about that a little bit for people who possibly have never dislocated a joint of one of their children? Well, can I tell you something about my first introduction, nursemaid's elbow? Sure. Was The Shining. We've seen The Shining. And so like Jack, like the villain in the movie that like tries to murder his whole family. The bad guy. Yeah. When they establish him as a bad guy, it's he jerked his kid, his young kid away from the papers and dislocated his elbow. That is nursemaid's elbow. Yes. So the first time that my kid, my son, whose elbow might as well have been like a foot in an untied shoe, you know, just wiggling around. He, I was holding his hand and he went limp because he tried to get to some sprinklers and it dislocated his elbow. And I'm like, great, I'm Jack from The Shining. Okay, but did you go on to attack your family with an axe? No. So let's look at the positives. Well, I mean, the essay stops after the... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We don't know. You don't know. I'm just going to let... I'm just assuming you probably stopped with the nursemaid's elbow. I want to say that I also dislocated my child's elbow and... Unlike you, who has the excuse that he just went limp, I was actually tugging him angrily away from his grandmother, who he was vexing. And so I actively caused it. It was not passive. And I took him to the hospital. They reset it. And it cost us who knows how many dollars, a many dollars. And then I did it again a second time. And I want to say that I went on YouTube and I found a video and I put it back in myself following a YouTube video, and that is a true story. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Was it yeah. the same kid, same arm both times? Same kid, same arm both times. Both times actively caused by me hugging him, it had nothing to do with going limp. Yeah, so it's like, it's a little wonky now. Well, I don't think, like, I had a post go viral on my blog, like, years ago, where I said that I put my youngest, Aspen, the wild child we discussed, 
who would literally be the child jumping in the gorilla cage at any time. Right. I put her on a, one of those little leash backpacks because I couldn't keep a hold of her. No. And everybody's like, just hold her arm. I'm like, well, her. she had the same problem as my son. Her arm would get dislocated. You should just scream at those people. Haven't you ever seen The Shining? <laughs> Thanks for your advice. Can you imagine? If they had that, Jack Nicholson wouldn't have killed his family. It would have been fine. Yeah. The movie would have been canceled if they had just had leash backpacks back in the day. He would have finished his book. This movie is called A Guy Who Finishes His Book. <laughs> Imagine how far he could have taken if they just taken that Swedish route and let that kid live in the backyard. Oh, uh, would have all been fine if they were all just in Denmark. Amazing. Clint, do you think you get more unsolicited advice as a dad out with a perpetual motion machine toddler than a mom would? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think I get more praise. Mm, we do too. <laughs> we think so too. You definitely get more praise. And I don't understand that. I mean, I remember I was chatting with a friend of mine. I guess he's not a friend. He's my accountant. <laughs> he's mad at me, actually. <laughs> he's a guy I know. And we had him over for dinner once. And he was telling me how he took his three children on a plane by himself, right? And when he got off, like people on the plane were like helping him and being kind to him. And then when he got off the plane, they clapped. Uh -oh. Not like a, you're getting off the plane, thank goodness. Like I've seen in the past, it was more of a Good, like, we're so proud of you. Gosh, yep. Right. You handled a child by yourself for three hours, Dad. That is insane. Like, walk around the airport. It is time to make a trophy. Yeah. Look at the moms, like, mm -hmm. saddled with bags like they're Sherpas heading up the side <laughs> of a mountain. You know, like a dozen kids. And then parents just look at them like, oh, crap, mom's coming on. <laughs> so maybe we do have it worse. Yeah. And everyone's just looking at them like, ugh. She doesn't have it together. Let me go give her some unsolicited advice. I mean, I do get unsolicited advice for sure. And it drives me insane. But I don't think I get quite the criticism as mothers. I think most people, for the whole, like if I'm at the grocery store alone, they just kind of give me that like smile. Yeah, like, you're doing it, dad. And it's like, I've Thanks for the back, it. Pat. Okay. Like, let's been doing it. So that's unsolicited advice. We try here on the What Fresh Hell podcast to give our listeners some real advice. What's some advice you have for parents who are like just entering the fresh hell? Like they've got a adorable 12 month old, maybe an 18 month old who's just starting to say some words. It's all cute. Like, <laughs> what do you got for him? <laughs> like, that's it. That's the whole premise of the book is you're failing and that's okay. There is no, like, I don't care what your race, your religion, your socioeconomic status, wherever you are, if you have a toddler, you're failing. And you need to accept that at the core of everything that you are and who you are, that there, the path to success is minimal, if at all. And as long as you just, you love them and you try and keep them alive and just accept that there is no winning. This is what used to the unsolicited advice that used to break me when I had closely spaced toddlers and you'd be in the target and one's gone limp and the other one's screaming and the baby's missing and you're just losing it completely. And then someone walks up to you and they're like, just wait, it only gets harder. Little people, little problems, mom. And I'm like, let me just say that's a total lie. Little people, horrible problems. Big people, still some problems. But for me, getting out of that like multiple toddler phase, I just feel like we have to tell people it gets better. This is the thing with kids, at least as far as I understand it, is that like every time you think you've figured it out and you've solved the problem, the next problem like just kind of rises. It's kind of like 
chasing like some sort of a guerrilla terrorist group around <laughs> and you think, okay, we solved the problem with them blowing up the bridges. And then it's like, surprise, loser, you know, we've drilled holes and we're jumping out of the bushes at you now. I just don't like my son, like as soon as he figured out how to take a shower, he started to refuse to take a shower just on the fact that he just doesn't understand hygiene. I will agree that it is an amorphous goal to be like, I'm good at this now and it's going great. Like, I would not make that your goal. But I just, if someone needed to tell me when I had, you know, a three-year-old, a two-year-old and an infant, like, this is really bad. <laughs> and it's going to be better than this someday in that the constancy of toddlers. It's the constancy. It's the incessant, like, you can't even take a deep breath thing that I think is hard. I mean, my kids are now out of the house eight hours a day. Like, that's just a different world. Right. Yes, do they come home with their own annoying problems? They do. But it's not that constant terror. We just had a three-year-old in the house, and I was like, oh, my God, that's right. Like, every second is like, don't lick that. Don't break that. Don't shove yourself over that bridge. Like, it's just that constant unstoppable terror and, like, constant involvement with someone else's bodily functions that part ends and it's there's peace over here guys <laughs> at I'm some point you. they can wipe their own butt they can wipe their own butt and every time and you will no longer be able to pull their arm out of the socket no matter how hard you try this is true this is all very very accurate so yes there is hope once they can turn on the tv again <laughs> and get the cereal Clint, please tell us about where we can find you and your book and everything you do well, okay. So, you know, I have a blog. I think it's byclintedwards.com, something like that. But no one really goes to the blog anymore. Most people follow me on Facebook at no idea what I'm doing at Daddy Blog. And on Instagram, where everyone is illiterate, you can find me there at no idea Daddy Blog. I'm on Twitter somewhere by Clint. And my books are, they're in Barnes and Noble and they're on Amazon and anywhere where good books are sold. So if you go somewhere and they don't have my book, that's a bad bookstore and you shouldn't go there anymore. <laughs> and like a toddler, you should fall to the ground, bang your fists and scream loudly until they bring the book to you. Yes. All right. I support that choice. Good to know. All right. Clint Edwards' new book is Silence is a Scary Sound and Other Stories on Living Through the Terrible Twos and Threes. Clint, thank you for talking to us today. Thanks, Clint. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you for having me. Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime. I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say, fun and highly intense. But Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text LAUGHING to 303030. You will get free, full access to the entire Beachbody On Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting LAUGHING to 303030. 30 30. Check it out. And now, an all-new list of things that are making your toddler angry today. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. 
it's 4 a.m. and she really wants to watch Harry the Bunny, but you won't let her. He didn't want his toast toasted. These aren't the right socks. They are way too socky. It's cold outside. Why did you make it so cold outside? Is not allowed to do loud, realistic T-Rex scream during church service. Wants to wear a bathing suit to Grandma's birthday party. The dog is looking at her. She doesn't want to be held. No, she doesn't want to walk either. And she definitely does not want the stroller. No. He doesn't want his name to be Michael anymore. He smashed his truck against the wall, and now it's broken. The water in the bathtub is making her wet. Wants to go to the beach, even though it's January. You have cut the strawberry all wrong. Her pet fish is cheating at the game she invented. Why can't the house be blue? She doesn't want to live in a yellow house anymore. This has been an all-new list of things that are making your toddler angry today. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Oh, Amy Toddlers. (laughs) It's a thing. And because it's a long phase... You will often, you, I, lots of parents out there are going to have two of them at once. Yes. And two toddlers is a special thing. Yes. Or you're going to go through this phase like Clint with like several kids and you're going to like find many of the same problems. But with each toddler, we've learned (laughs) it's a fresh hell. What fresh hell is toddlers? (laughs) Every fresh hell. Like you just, the one thing about toddlers, you can talk to a lot of people about their toddlers. And like Clint has a lot of stories. They're all like funny. Some of them are illuminating. But like they're all like, oh yeah, that. But they're all also different. That's the trick of toddlers. They'll always come up with something new. My friend has a three-year-old and one-year-old, and this made me think of when you were talking about peeking through the living room of your former existence and getting like the heebie-jeebies from it. Into that old hell, yeah. I'm going to give you a phrase that will strike a terror into your heart, hand, foot, and mouth disease. They have just Uh. moved to a new state. They're starting new lives. Her three-year-old started a new preschool, and I mean like... Day two comes home with the blisters on his hands, hand, foot, and mouth disease, and he can't go to his new school for like 10 days. Have you gotten it yourself? I got it when my toddlers got it. I don't think I ever had it. So I guess that means if you have to think about whether you've had it, then you haven't had it. Right. Oh, no, no, no. That means you didn't have it. Because let me tell you, two toddlers, this is why like, my like, oh, the old house. And it really was so shocking. Like I walked up and it was like this, like my mother before me, I have blocked out a lot of the terror. And then I walked up to the house and it was like, you know, like how in movies, like in Star Wars movies, it's like they go back to like the scene of something terrible and like the voices start playing and rising and it's like they're haunted. That's how I was standing in front of that house. And definitely one of those images was me with like a mouthful of blisters, like taking care of two miserable toddlers. I mean, not good times, guys. The chief memory I have of that is that my three-year-old who had it, he loved his pacifier. Okay, I guess he was still two because when he turned three, we gave the pacifiers away, but he was still very devoted to his pacifier at the time. But you couldn't suck on it because it hurt the sores inside your mouth. And so like there was just nothing to be done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was not good. Oh, and let me tell you, this is what I will say for people heading into it or in it right now. Every story you tell, like when you just said that thing about the pacifiers and hand, foot, mouth disease, I literally went, oh, right. That was hellacious as well. Like, but I will say from a distance, like it gets better and the memories 
fade, you know? Like I, back in the day, was a runner and I ran two or three marathons. And at the end of my first marathon, the last like whatever, four miles, I was in agony. I was so miserable and I kept thinking, this is the biggest mistake I've ever made. I will never, ever do this again. This is horrible. And then, of course, six months later, I was like, that was great. We should do it again. And then at the last four miles of the second marathon, I was like, how could I have forgotten the terror of why am I doing this? I swore I would never do it. And this is why this is awful. And that's kind of like having children. They hit toddlerhood and you're like, Oh, right. This horrible thing. And then like six months later, the memory fades and you're like, we should have another kid. <laughs> right. That was fun. Remember Christmas morning? Right. You just It's all wonderful. Yeah. You only picture the good stuff. We've talked about it on the podcast before that there's like been studies the way the brain is wired. Like literally you only remember the good stuff. And let me tell you, a good example of that is that people have more children. It is toddlerhood. And of course, toddlers' brains, the way they work, right? I mean, they don't have any sort of perspective or time. At least when you as an adult have hand, foot, and mouth disease, you think, well, this, it sucks. It's terrible. This isn't how it is now, right? Like, I, this is going to last a couple of days a week. I remember life before this and life after this. But the toddler having this is like, this is how it is now. Why are you letting this happen, mom? Like my mouth hurts and they have no, you can't sort of reason with them. It'll all be better. That the toast will come out of the toaster and it's going to be fine. They live very much in the moment and can't really see any sort of reality other than the moment's reality. And they can't really express stuff. Like I was thinking about this, I have a tween and we were talking about heading back to school after a vacation. And he was like, well, I'm nervous about this and I'm worried about this and what if this. And I remember going back before involving a lot of drama and I was like, oh, he is starting to be able to express. I am worried. And so we're not having as many just random outbursts that drive me crazy. And it was a very comforting thought to me, like, oh, this is a nice face. Like, he's saying what's worrying him instead of just like slamming his door and being rude to everybody. And it's like, think about that as a toddler. Like, they can't express anything, you know? And so language development. One thing I will say, know your developmental stages. Because I think sometimes like people get really hung up with toddlers of like, Okay, we're going to have good manners. We're going to say please and thank you. Okay, now I'm going to talk to you about why the, what you did was wrong. And I think there's some wasted energy that you're in the wrong developmental stage. Mm -hmm. Like when you use the model of like fun is on when you behave correctly, fun is off when you behave incorrectly. It's like that's kind of the only guidepost that a toddler can understand. And so I think some of the frustration is like pouring a lot of energy into like, let's talk about why taking someone else's train is a poor choice. Like you're kind of on the wrong track there to me. And they're going to be stuck on, but I want the train. Like they're very stuck on that. And you probably aren't going to be able to teach them about sharing and understanding. What's it called? Theory of mind when they're able to see. They don't have it. They don't have theory of mind. 
where they understand that that kid wants the truck just as much as I do, like does not compute. And so it's more like dealing with a puppy. Like you don't sit down with a puppy and be like, you chewed the couch. I paid a lot of money for that couch and it hurt my feelings that you disrespected it. Like you're dealing with a puppy and you're dealing with a toddler in the same way. Like a lecture about why drawing on the couch is wrong with a two and three year old is not going to work. You know, I love to think about the ways I can use what I know about dogs and apply them to kids. Oh, it's basically like this whole podcast should be called (laughs) Your Kid is a Dog. I am going to get my friend, the dog trainer, to come on and talk to us about this stuff because I've learned a lot from her. But, you know, dogs live in the moment. So, for example, if your dog, you know, poops in the house and you come home and find it a couple hours later... You even if you go with the dog to the scene of the crime and say, do you see this? Do you understand? Do you want they're like just sort of like mommy mad, mommy yell like they don't even know that's their poop. Like, where are we talking about this? They are completely in the moment. And I think that's what you're saying about the toddler, that they can't understand anything other than the moment and the now. So it's a lot of wasted energy. And they have a biological imperative to get their needs met. Sure. You know, I love a biological imperative. So like a toddler's overarching biology is get my needs met and like that high-pitched squeal it's a biological imperative because like if toddlers historically weren't making a really annoying noise you might not feed them you know and so right having like well let's talk about how we're behaving eh just feed them or shut down but like there's not a lot of room in between to like have conversations about and you know this is an attachment parenting thing that thing of like i don't make my kids say please and thank you which i was always like oh hippie is weird you know but having read a little bit about it it is like you're pretty much teaching a dog to do a trick you know they don't have a sense of of being grateful i want to talk a little bit about like when your toddler is doing something you don't want them to do and you say hey like stop you know get off the couch whatever and they don't and then maybe you have to come over and like lift them off the couch and they kick and scream and like I see parents now that I'm well out of that stage I see parents immediately try to fix that like the kid has to get off the couch they don't want to and then then you immediately have to negotiate about why they should want to or like okay you can be in the couch we have to take your shoes off okay you can be on the couch with your shoes on but let's get your you know Lightning McQueen towel okay you can be on the couch with your shoes on and without the Lightning McQueen towel and I just think like get off the couch like it's okay to stick to it it doesn't matter if your kid likes it It doesn't matter if they kick and scream yeah this is don't negotiate yeah and this takes me back to my what i've always identified as the best piece of parenting advice i've ever received saying no means standing up and it is a hundred percent true with toddlers 100 percent true i mean it is the formative most top of the triangle rule with toddlers. If a toddler is doing something you don't want them to do, you cannot fix it from the couch. You cannot fix it from a seated position. Like when a toddler is standing on the couch, which toddlers will do with their shoes on, and you don't want them standing on the couch or you're at grandma's house and they have shoes on and that's the new couch. Right. And they have different rules. Right. You stand up, you take them off the couch and you say, no couch. And then If they do it again, you take them and you remove them from the situation. Like, there is no, like, come on, I told you, off the couch, because I'm eating dinner. Like, if you want to eat dinner, you have to let them walk on the couch, because you don't want to remove them, which I made that choice a ton. I was like, oh, no walking on the couch. And let me tell you, 10 ruined dinners later, I was like, I'm going to let them do whatever they want. (laughs) Our couch became a jungle gym, because I didn't have the energy to get them off of it. Right. But I did know that trying to eat dinner and scream at them to get off the couch was not a good use of any of our times. 
or even scream, but I'm not even saying scream. I'm saying like, okay, you know what the rule is. And you like try to make it like something they want to do. Oh, no, no, no. That's a fool's game. It realize it's in their best interest. No, that's a path to despair, guys. Don't do that. Yeah. So be like the lady in the airport I saw who <laughs> the kid was. I will never forget the look of this kid's face. He looked like he was like whistling on his way to the fishing hole, but he was making this like noise. And she just was repacking a suitcase or some hellish task she had at hand. And she was ignoring. I mean, he wasn't hurting anybody. We went on the airplane. He was in the middle of the like check-in area where there's plenty of sounds and smells already. And she ignored him. Oh, is that another big one with toddlers? Pick your battles. Yeah. Like, do you want a toddler? Don't you have an expression that's like acting their age or something? It's like, yeah, a toddler makes annoying noises, makes messes, is a gross eater, is demanding. Like, if you pick every battle with a toddler, you will go insane. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. <laughs> like if you're and this is something my husband is kind of an ordered. He's very disordered in many ways, but he's ordered in many ways. And this is like something that we had to work out together. I'm saying that this is something I had to yell at him about until he stopped doing. <laughs> but my overarching conversation with my husband at this age was like, why are you saying no to that? Watch your nose. Like he just had a tendency to be like, stop doing that. Okay, cut that out. Okay, stop that. And I'm like, this is behavior that is totally age appropriate. It's not upsetting anyone else. Like, why are you stopping him from I don't know, smashing trucks together or whatever in the playroom. Like, that's not how we treat trucks. Really? I just would not pick every single battle because you're going to make your life a nightmare. And watch that the bad behavior. Let me tell you, the next behavior is not necessarily going to be an improvement. Like, he's smashing trucks together. It's not really hurting anyone. The trucks are pretty sturdy. He doesn't really understand that we paid a certain amount of money for those trucks. You stop him from doing that, the next behavior may be ripping up the couch cushions. Like, I'm going to stick with what I know here. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a toddler's combinations of activities are completely unexpected. I just saw this on Instagram, and I thought it was a great hint. If I can find it, I'll repost it so you all can see it, but I'll just tell you what it was. Bathtub Legos. She was like, do you have a cranky toddler? Do you have, have you had a long day? Put him in the bathtub, dump the Legos in. And this was the perfect example of the kid did it. And she's like, whoa, 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 Legos don't go in the bathtub. Well, why the heck not? Like they float. She's like, they haven't gotten moldy. Now we have our special bin of Legos that go in the bathtub. And this cranky kid got like a good 90 minutes of just playing with the Legos as they floated in the bathtub. So you can. That is the perfect example of what I'm talking about, because smashing trucks like, OK, maybe you don't want them to do that. Right. Like they're not supposed to go. Bathtub Legos is a really good example of what I'm talking about. Why are you saying no to that? Like, actually, it's fine. Right. And it's hard. You get used to saying no, but like watch your no. And I'm going to finish with my biggest savior, which is on a tangent from that. Mm -hmm. Take a two hour bath. It's fine. Some nights I would just be like the only time the kids, all three of my kids were happy were in the bath. And I had three kids in the bath together often for an hour and 15 minutes at night. Yeah. You never move a happy toddler. That's my big rule, right? If they're happy in the bathtub, why would you take them out? That is the biggest rule. If they're mm -hmm. happy, let them be. And that is another thing. Like when the family's gathered around, we had the two-year-old with us and it's like, everyone's kind of like, oh, let me show you this. It's like, wait a minute, that kid is quietly turning pages in a book. Like, why would you try to introduce a fire truck at this point? Like, yep. don't interrupt a happy toddler to make them more happy. Because <laughs> let me tell you, spoiler alert, that's not how it goes.
<laughs> oh my gosh, guys, we could talk about toddlers. We could do a 76 hour long podcast. Do you know the Guinness World Record for longest podcast? I don't. On toddlers. But we could do that on toddlers because we could talk about it forever. But if you're in it, God bless you. It gets better. And if you're out of it, congratulations, you survived. We want to hear about how it's going with your toddlers. There's a lot of ways you can tell us. You can tell us on Facebook. We're at What Fresh Hell Cast on Facebook. You can join our page and our group where listeners can talk to each other about all kinds of stuff. And they do. There were all kinds of questions popping last night. Fantastic. We're also on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And you can always come to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and check out all the links and resources from the show. Oh, and Instagram at whatfreshhellcast. Check out the bathtub Legos on there. And thanks so much to our guest, Clint Edwards. His book is called Silence is a Scary Sound, and you can get it wherever books are sold. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.